Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Maya, today we are going to explore a sensitive topic, but one that is close to home for you, and that is chronic pain. So we might start by saying that neither you nor I are doctors, and what we say today does not constitute medical advice. And also we are limiting the field of our conversation to physical pain Absolutely. and not, let's say, emotional pain, mm-hmm. even though physical pain can also have an impact on our mood, right? Yeah, that's right. And we have done a couple of episodes on pain before. One on just more generalized pain in rope, which was super early on, number seven. And then an episode on chronic pain and rope, which was more about a listener question and from my perspective as a bottom with chronic pain and a bit about your perspective as a top with some chronic pain. And that was about the impact of chronic pain on rope. But we deliberately left out the impact rope can have on chronic pain. Okay, I see. So can we start by having a bit of a recap and redefining for our listeners what chronic pain is? Um, Yes, so we differentiate chronic pain from what's called acute pain. So one interesting thing is that the brain actually creates all pain. So the brain uses something called the salience network to decide uh, what to attend to in the body. Because if you imagine there are um, hundreds of thousands of sensations coming in all the time. So if you're running from a lion and you twist your ankle, then maybe the brain doesn't activate pain because it wants you to be able to keep running to get away. Okay. But if um, one of our ancestors were running after a deer and broke their ankle, then probably the brain will create quite severe pain so that we'll stop and rest the foot so that they can run after future deer. So what's the difference between lions and deers? Uh, one can kill you and one one is chasing you and one you're chasing, I think, in that case. So the context of danger is being analyzed by the brain and the brain prioritizes things differently depending on that, if I understand Yeah, and it's correctly. not just the danger. Um, it's all of our experiences that have gone before. So our subconscious brain is deciding when to turn on pain and when to turn off pain. And pain is one of the brain's ways of protecting us. So it gives us signs if something is being wrong. Um, But we don't have conscious control over this. And what can happen is the the brain can also turn pain on when there's no damage. So this is where the brain is predicting what it thinks we should feel 
based on our previous experience. Um, but even though the injury itself may have healed, the body is still predicting pain. And so we might also be primed for pain because we had a painful injury in the past. And so we have a painful neural circuit um, that seems to have gone, like we don't have that pain anymore. But mm -hmm. actually, just like the neural circuits of riding a bike aren't actually gone, they're just dormant. The same way the neural circuits of that pain haven't actually gone, they're just lying dormant until you have some kind of similar emotional reaction or, um, or even a physical movement that the brain thinks, oh, it's time to activate that neural circuit again, even though there's no damage there. Okay, so when you have pain without physical damage, is it then chronic pain? That's chronic pain, yeah. And, and also it's described as something that goes on longer than six months. Because as I understand it, the largest bone in the body takes um, up to six months to heal. And after that, in theory, all damage in the body should have been healed. Okay, making sure I understand, if I drop an anvil on my foot, that's acute pain. That's acute I've pain. actually damaged my foot and I have a lot of pain because my foot is squished. And your salience network, if you're in the right context, is going to activate pain and you're going to feel a lot of pain. I mean, I would imagine it would need to be quite the context for my brain to decide that an anvil dropped on my foot doesn't hurt. Yeah, but there are lots of wartime stories of people having quite horrific injuries and being able to get to a field hospital before yeah. they feel pain. I was more thinking like I'm in the rope suspension with Natalie Portman and my brain is like, we can't <laughs> fuck this up. Like, Maybe. what anvil? I didn't see an anvil. Okay, so chronic pain is our subject today. And how does it interact with rope? What does rope do for or against chronic pain for you, Maya? Lots of different things. So we're going to talk about um, headspace, psychological factors, some physical factors. But one thing I wanted to touch on first was um, a concept that comes up a lot in rope, which I think is perhaps not as helpful as it seems at first, which is the concept of good pain in inverted okay. commas versus bad pain in inverted commas. Um, I think that, well, I, I know that good and bad are judgment words. Um, and what they do is make pain dichotomous. They put it into one of two boxes. So pain is either good or it's bad and there's no gray. And is it good or bad only from the perspective of the person receiving the pain, feeling well, the pain? Well, that's a great question. Or can it be also good or bad from the perspective of the person inflicting it? Well, I think that's, you've got to the heart of part of the question there. Like, what does it even mean? Good pain versus bad pain. Mm. So sometimes it's about defined as pain we like. Sometimes it's about pain that doesn't cause long-term injury as good pain. Sometimes bad pain is pain we don't like or pain that is dangerous to your long-term health. Um, but as you can see from above with the brain as a source of information and the salience network, mm -hmm. our brain's not always the best source of information about pain. So while we say we put a lot of pressure, I think, on bottoms to be able to distinguish good pain versus bad pain and communicate about that. But I don't think it's as simple as, well, obviously, you're either feeling good pain or you're feeling bad pain. So it can create an unrealistic expectation for rope bottoms that they need to be able to tell the difference. But what you're telling us, Maya, is the difference is not so clear cut and not so 
obvious. This is my opinion. Um, and the other factor I think is important, which is more for tops, is that pain differs from person to person. So pain is always a subjective experience. There is no um, objective standard measurement of pain because it's influenced by our experiences, our feelings, our emotions, all of these things that have gone before. And if you hear a sentence like, oh, you should be able to do this position is not that painful, that's obviously bullshit, right? That is not a statement that we would very at all be supportive of. And so we have a friend who loves the fizzing pain when the rope is removed after um, a leg's gone numb after a futo. Mm -hmm. You like that less. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. That There's a lot of screaming and... Uh, cursing, cursing, calling yeah, me a bastard. That kind of thing. So definitely pain differs from person to person, which further confuses this idea of good pain and bad pain. And, and maybe it seems obvious to people, but I really think that having a more nuanced conversation about pain will help new rope practitioners feel a bit less pressure and feel like they should not feel that they should understand it. Hmm. And we feel pain is something you have to take with you on the journey of rope bondage anyway. There's not really such a thing as rope bondage with no pain whatsoever in our experience. In our experience, but I know that there are people who use a lot of props to make rope comfortable. Like and so, pillows and stuff. Yeah. So I think that there can be pay rope without pain but i just think it's less common and i think well i'm gonna be devil's advocate here okay. but i'm gonna say if you use a prop to manage pain then pain is part of your concerns in the activity anyway okay interesting yeah yeah it's something you're gonna have to deal with that might be trying to avoid it that okay. might be embracing it that might be intentionally increasing it if you're playing with that but it's a factor in every rope scene Okay, so you're deciding how to integrate or not integrate pain into a scene because it kind of comes with the rope. And so you have to make active efforts to manage it. Exactly. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible. And for that, we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account Rope Podcast. Then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. Maya, in rope sometimes you experience altered headspaces, I believe. I do. As a rope bottom, this is definitely one of the aspects that can take me away from pain and is a, an aspect that I integrate into my life to mm -hmm. help me manage pain. And there are lots of different types of altered headspace feelings as a bottom that I can feel. So one can be the kind of more traditional uh, spacey feelings, so mm -hmm. rope space. Sometimes people call this subspace. I, I don't personally find that an appropriate term for a more generalized version of rope space. Because, because you can be a rope bottom and not be submissive. Exactly. Parish change doesn't have to be part of it. So I tend to go with rope space. But even rope space can be very different for different people. But that's that kind of floaty feeling, feeling outside of yourself, that's definitely one feeling of altered headspace. You can also have new and different pains to focus on. 
which also gives you a different type of headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel connections with the other person. You can kind of feel these warm, floaty feelings of connection with the other person in the scene. That's a different type of um, headspace. And you can just feel nonverbal. So that could be part of those other headspaces or something in itself, just retreating into yourself. And all of these, I think, are created by the feel-good chemicals that come from pain. Okay. And would it be realistic to say you are a person who is in pain pretty much every day? All the time, yeah. And you take medication to help manage that pain? I do. Do you find that when you do rope bondage, it reduces the amount of pain medication you have to take that day? For me, yes. The kind of pain medication that I take as my, let's call it a top up, Mm -hmm. uh, I take less, I tend to take, there's no absolutes, I tend to take less of that when I've done rope, yes. So you've got a bit of a health trade-off here where rope bondage is a dangerous activity and you could injure yourself doing rope, but also it allows you to reduce the amount of medication you take and that medication itself is probably good for your health to not take too much. Yeah, I think my body is producing more natural feel-good chemicals from rope and that then replaces the type of pain medication that I might take. What about you as a top? Because altered headspace is something that tops can feel too. Definitely. And for me, it's more of a flow state to the point that I am very focused on my partner's body. I am monitoring her breathing. I am looking at the position. I am making sure the rope is doing the right thing in the right place. And that goes double in suspensions, which are a bit higher risk. And as I focus on the other person's body, it's like my own body completely disappears. I have no notion of it anymore. And I had a really striking experience one time where one morning I was scheduled to do a rope scene with a person who was coming in and I had a kidney stone, Mm. which was really painful. And I was like, I should probably cancel that rope session because like I was in a ball on the bed, unable to move. And turns out I was, I was on the fence because I really wanted to tie that person, but also I was really feeling like shit. And I talked to her uh, before she arrived and I said, look, I'm being clear with you. I'm having this very painful health issue today. Do you want to go on or do you want to cancel? And she said, well, let's try it anyway. And it turns out from the moment I started tying, my pain completely was pushed out of my awareness. And we tied for two hours. And for those two hours, I was completely free from pain, which was incredible because for several hours leading to that, I was completely disabled by the level of pain I was feeling. And so what do you put that down to? What do you ascribe it to? I think there's something with the adrenaline that rushes in. And you were talking about being chased by a lion, the mechanics of that from the physiology point of view would be very similar, I think. Adrenaline puts you in a heightened state of awareness and also prepares you to fight or flight. And in this case, the body probably decides, you know what, now is not a really good time to worry about our kidneys. Like, let's let's get through this high intensity moment and then we'll go back to see what the kidney is doing later. 
So that's some of the kind of more headspace aspects. Mm-hmm. Sexy times also, I, I wanted to give a mention to. It's not something which everyone includes in their scene. Yeah. But I do think that if rope intensifies your sexy times, then those chemicals are also going to help. With There's pain. very strong research that shows that sexual arousal modifies the way we perceive pain, right? Yeah. And, and risk. <laughs> in, yes. Okay. We make different decisions. Mm. Uh, to the point that a lot of people find pain more pleasurable when they are mm. at a high sexual excitation level. Yeah. So I kind of wanted us to mention that, uh, but not going to too much because it's kind of a different aspect. Mm. But I did want to talk more about some of the psychological aspects of pain. And as it happens, you are a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. So if I think about chronic pain, It is something that happens to you and it's something you have very little control over. But pain in terms of rope and BDSM is a place where you can feel like you're taking control of your pain. You are making a choice to enter a scene. You have negotiated with the other person um, whether you're going to have a painful scene, a less painful scene. Like You have decided, you have made that choice. And so it changes the locus of control to something where you are deciding on that pain rather than the other person, the, the pain itself doing what it wants. So that's the difference between me dropping an anvil on my foot because I have butterfingers versus me deciding to drop an anvil on my foot. Yeah, I mean, I feel like rope isn't the same as that exactly, but yeah, making a choice. You're willingly entering an experience. It's not, but see, that's not a good metaphor because um, it's not about having butterfingers. Someone else is giving you this pain. Like this pain is coming from outside of you. You're Mm -hmm. you're not the one creating the pain by your butterfingers. Okay, so you, as a rope bottom, you decide to enter an experience in which you anticipate that you will feel some pain, but you are making that decision for yourself. Yeah, and it gives you the opportunity to rewrite how you feel about pain at quite a deep level um, and to really reclaim your own body and to make choices about your body in a way that when you are someone who is a a long-term chronic pain sufferer, potentially a long-term patient, ill person, all of these aspects that can be associated with pain, I think it's quite powerful to be able to take control of your pain in that way. So that is definitely one aspect. Do you find it empowering? Yeah, exactly. And it can help us feel strong and resilient. So if we make that choice to take on pain and we um, do things with our body that are you know, quite impressive, quite incredible, or even just for us as an individual, as a person doing something which is a bit out of our comfort zone, that can give us pride in a body that otherwise can feel like it lets you down. Okay, so you have this image, I'm, I'm going to use strong words here, like of a victim body almost, that has pain inflicted to it by the chronic conditions. And you're switching that story to I'm a badass, I can take pain, I'm choosing to put myself through this ordeal by fire and I emerge victorious on the other side of it. Mm, mm. And what's interesting is that one of the cures is, is not the right word, but one of the treatments for chronic pain is sometimes exposure to pain. And so it can, because you're building up your tolerance for oh, pain. Oh, it's like when you're afraid of snakes and you yeah, work with your, th- your therapist to slowly 
Exposure. Like look at a snake, be close to a snake, touch a snake over a period of time. Yeah. Um, and so that is one method of helping with chronic pain. And so it can build our resilience to other sorts of pain. It can also help us get us to know ourselves at a deeper level by understanding what we can do, what we can't do, exploring what our body can do. And in the context of exploring that with another person, and I imagine it's different when you're self-tying. But if you're being tied by someone and you want them to inflict a certain level of pain, it must take a vast amount of trust to make sure that that pain is going to stay within the spectrum you're comfortable with, right? Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this in the other episode, but that negotiation piece when, when you have someone with chronic pain is really critical. But there are some really interesting benefits of the connection piece, the physical touch. Mm-hmm with another person. So there are quite a lot of studies that show that people feel less pain when they touch others. So skin to skin contact can help us reduce pain. And we feel the least pain relatively when we are in physical contact with someone we love. So there's studies around that. So actually rope itself, depending on who you're doing it with and how you're doing it, the skin to skin contact can help reduce our chronic pain as well, potentially, mm-hmm. your mileage may vary, um, when we're in physical contact with someone who we're tying with. Very nice. And I just want to say, there's also the opportunity just to check out, like give yourself over to someone else and check out. I think that is a really valid way of distracting from pain. I don't think you always have to be someone, you know, managing your pain, fighting your pain, embracing your pain. Sometimes I think it's okay to just check Take out. a break. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that. Now, there's a really interesting topic around therapeutic rope, which I think you have more to talk about here than I do. So talk, talk to me, what does that mean to you, therapeutic rope? It's both something that I enjoy and I have a little bit of experience in, and it's the idea of using rope bondage with the primary goal of helping someone feel better. But it's not being a rope therapist. I don't know what a rope therapist would be, but I'm quite sure I'm not qualified to be one. (laughs) Okay, and so what was your experience in this area? I worked with a person who was a professional athlete. Uh, She did aerial silks and this type of disciplines. She both practiced, performed, taught classes, and she was also a contortionist. So she was someone who was extremely flexible. So flexible. (laughs) Kind of incredible. Incredible, yeah. Uh, led to some very beautiful photos. And she suffered from, among other things, hypermobility syndrome. And she was looking for ways to passively stretch her body in ways that would relieve some of her pain and some of her tension as a result of working very hard with her hypermobile body every day. She was training her muscles and her body seven days a week. And she was really interested in us working together to develop protocols of how we could use, in particular, rope suspension to stretch, relieve tension, and suppress some of the pain she was feeling. And honestly, we had some pretty good results in that. Uh, In particular, we found that using a butterfly harness, so that's a specific type of chest harness, gave a certain opening to her chest and shoulders when we suspended it in some ways, and it really helped her relieve her pain and relieve a lot of tension. And I don't want to speak for her, but I feel it also helped her 
deal with some emotions she might have been feeling. So there was both a physical part and an emotional part uh, without any pretension of it being therapy or it being a spiritual experience or any mm. of that. But really trying to think of the mechanics of how is the rope holding the body, how is the rope pulling on the body, and what can we do that seems to be beneficial. And she was extremely knowledgeable about anatomy as well. Yeah, that was very helpful. She knew bodies in general and especially her own body very well because it was a primary tool in her profession when she was performing. So there's some definite caveats there in terms of, you know, being careful about who you try this with and mm -hmm. how you try it. Um, but for me also, there were some positions that stretch me in a pleasant way, just as aqua yoga stretches me mm -hmm. in a pleasant way. Rope supporting me can also do that. So Things like decompressing the spine, for instance, can be really pleasant and very beneficial in some cases. Yeah. So you can do self-tying um, yes. around this area as well. Um, or you could hire um, a top who ties for money to mm -hmm. tie you for pain relief. Again, we really, really want to emphasize that rope is not therapy of any kind. No, it's not. Really? Although it can be mixed with uh, massage, for instance. You can tie someone and suspend them or put tension into their body with the rope and then apply some, for instance, tie massage techniques to their back while they're in the rope. And you can have a, a bit of a double benefit if you know what you're doing. Yeah, rope can be therapeutic in that it can give relief in different ways. Okay, I wanted to talk about pressure and compression, which is something okay. we enjoy both in a painy way, but can also... We both enjoy it in... I enjoy giving it and you enjoy receiving yes. it. Yes, yeah, okay, fair, fair. So what is compression and pressure? Compression would be pressing on something or squeezing something. And pressure would be putting weight on it. Sometimes I do that to you with my body. Like yeah. I step on you, I put my knee on your chest, that sort of thing. That would be pressure. Yeah. yeah. I'm fairly heavy, so it can be potentially <laughs> a lot of pressure. It can be on me. So we can apply compression to a limb that might be in pain. Mm -hmm. So a Guatemalan leg tie. This, this, tell us what a Guatemalan leg tie is. To describe it in simple terms, you're going to wrap several times around the lower leg, so below the knee, between the ankle and the knee, and often in a spiral type of pattern, and quite tightly, and you're really trying to squeeze that lower leg, and people tend to like it very much. Mm. And I was thinking about this and why this might work, and the other theory around pain is something called pain gate theory which is essentially this idea that when the signal for that compression gets to the spinal cord junction mm -hmm. it's competing with a whole load of other stimuli yes. so this is part of the signals getting to your brain and the your other pain is also going through that pain gate yes and maybe when you send the Guatemalan leg tie through the pain gate, it squeezes out some of the regular pain. Mm. If it's loud enough, it can cover the signal of the base pain you feel all the time, for instance. Yeah, or just mean that your body's salience network doesn't hear it mm -hmm. because, or chooses not to hear it because it's got this other more urgent pain to deal with. So in other words, to make you forget about your ankle pain, let's create a lion. Well, you know, some people, when they have or a... a fox. <laughs> Some people, when they stub their toe, um, they like bite their 
thumb or like they bite their lip like people do stuff like that mm -hmm. to distract themselves from one pain give themselves a different pain and although on the one hand it might feel silly like we can clearly see it working here mm -hmm. and vibration uh temperature pressure these all go through the same nerves yeah and they're all elements you can incorporate into a rope scene and it's what a TENS machine does at the end of the day. That's what a TENS machine okay, does. Okay, can you explain what a TENS machine a is? A TENS machine sends tiny little electrical pulses through um, your oh, body. Oh, it's the stuff where you stick the electrodes on the skin. Exactly. And that does exactly the same thing. It's competing with, as far as I understand it, and again, mm -hmm. I'm not a medical doctor, it's competing with the other pain signals, the other signals coming through your nerves, reaching that pain gate, and your body is feeling that rather than your chronic health issues, chronic pain. Very interesting. So the other thing I wanted to touch on was just the consequences piece. So bear in mind that if you have a chronic health issue or chronic pain, it is probably going to take you longer to recover from rope. Um, okay, so you might not want to do six rope scenes in a weekend. Yeah, and, and you've always... And this... People who have chronic pain will know this. You're always trading. So you're trading, okay, I'm doing this rope scene. What are going to be the pros and cons of this? How worth it is it for how many spoons? and um, Spoons? Yeah, spoons is a... I'm going to link to the spoons article. People with chronic pain will, will know the concept of spoons. But essentially, it's how many units of energy do you have to deal with a particular... Okay, situation. so in a given day, Maya, you might have seven spoons of energy and yeah. you might affect three to doing rope, two to sweeping the floor and two to checking your email. Yeah, except for, for someone with chronic pain, it might take one to wash their hair, mm -hmm. two to get out of bed. You know, you go through those spoons really quickly. So you have to really decide what are the pros of that rope seed and is it worth it for you? And for me, I've made the decision it is, but... People listening will need to manage their own and their partner's risk profile. Okay. And when we're discussing pain with a partner, how do we talk about that? Is it, is it something that's easy to talk about, pain? It's not easy to talk about. But again, if people listen to the um, other episode, we talk quite a bit about ways to do that. Um, negotiation, some really important points. I would really see these two episodes as going together. Okay. Maya... You have done quite a lot of research on pain for obvious reasons, both professional and personal. Is there any particular resources you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I'm going to put quite a lot of resources in the notes of this one. Um, obviously, there's the two episodes we have around pain. There are some writers on FetLife, so Vahavta and Miss Doctor both write about health and chronic pain issues and um, understanding bodies and anatomy better. There's an excellent book called Hurt So Good, The Science and Culture of Pain on Purpose. Oh yeah, I read that. It was really fun yeah. with the hot chili with peppers the hot chili and the marathon peppers. runners and so on. I would recommend this one it was a really good read it has an excellent description of a needle scene in the last chapter a bit intense in some so parts, intense though. i love it um so that is a book that i would really recommend and there's um, a survey of the current bdsm literature which was published in the journal of sex and i'll put the title of that in as well all right so maya what would you say is the most important thing in the relationship between rope and chronic pain the most important thing is to be kind to yourself. 
there, there is no magic bullet for pain, very sadly, for people like me and, and you. Um, but what might be, for some people, um, one tool in their pain management arsenal. Okay, and that is that something we can ask for from a rope partner? I think so. Um, I mean, it depends on your relationship with the person, but I think um, often partners love to be able to support their partner in in different ways and this might be something creative that you can do together but see it very much as a joint creative act okay and don't be upset if the person says no that's not what i'm interested or it's outside their risk profile only want to take photos of naked women in rope or men in rope yeah okay definitely and don't treat your rope partner like a dispensing therapist what does that mean it means that um if you just go to someone and say oh i have a pain and i want you to um give me a tight leg tie, it would really help me. Like try and make it a joint creative act rather than you're expecting someone to provide something for you. Okay. Well, I hope our listeners today will have gotten some ideas of how to use rope either to help their own pain or to help soothe someone else's. And if you have had experiences in that field, please let us know in the comments. Thanks for listening and have fun tying.